to First Corinthians. I, I've been I've been really praying and just trying to get settled on on what we're going to do here on Wednesday nights, and I still I still can't get settled 100. percent So uh, so I was just in the office today and um, just thinking about uh, yesterday. I had the privilege of uh, ministering in healing school there with Pastor Gwen uh, Gwen and uh, there at Lifeline and and uh, and I ministered. Of course, I ministered on healing then and uh, just you know just talking about and and. Uh, and ministering on the fact that that everybody that came to Jesus, he healed, he touched, he he ministered to, you know. And um, and as I was thinking about that last night, I was I was just praying about today and trying to get settled on what I was going to speak on. And and then even this morning, the Lord just started dealing with me, and and this thought came to me about um, about becoming more like Jesus, you know. And I pray that, and and you you guys have heard me say that many times that that you know one of the desires of my life, and and I pray it. Consistently, I may not pray it every single day, but 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 a lot of times those words will come out of my mouth that that you know, man, I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, and I want tomorrow. I want man tomorrow. I want to look more like Jesus to the world than I did today, and and you know, and even those opportunities, even those things that that some of y'all shared as testimonies, you know, you guys you guys are representing Jesus well. You know, there's people are seeing Jesus in you, and that's awesome, and. Uh, and I, so I just started thinking about, I started thinking about just becoming more like him, and and uh, and you know, there's opportunities. The last couple of weeks, um, you know, I've, I've ministered to some folks that some people that don't even go to this church, some friends that uh, two two different ones actually that past that's actually pastors, and they're they're really struggling and they're really going through some hard times with their churches and with people. One of them's having some personal issues, the other one's having some issues in the church, and. And, um, and you know, I've been praying for them, and, and they're in different states, and, you know, we've just been talking over the phone and text and stuff. And, um, and you know, any time that that happens, um, and any time you start dealing with somebody, and, and one of the things you have to be careful of, or I have to be careful of sometimes, is that I don't take that weight upon myself. You know, that I make sure that, that as I'm helping somebody, that that I don't try to that I don't try to carry the weight because I because you know I tell people all the time I can't help you very much, you know pe- people ask uh, people ask you know like new people that come in you know they say well what do you, what do you want to be called preacher pastor you know what you know Mister what you know what do you want to call and I and I always tell them, I, I was like I don't really care what you call me but here's here's I said but the majority of people call me pastor and here's why I said because because the Bible says that God gave pastors after His heart. And see, the gift that God has placed on the inside of me is that of a pastor. And when you, when you recognize that and when you receive me as your pastor and you open up your, your heart to, to receive me as your pastor, then you don't just get Stephen. You get pastor. You get that gift that God put on the inside of me. Meaning that you get the gift that came from God, which means you get God. <laughs> you know, you get the gift of a pastor from God's heart. So, so you know, so one of the things that that uh, one of the scriptures that the Lord led me to tonight was here in First Corinthians one, and uh, we'll just start reading in verse. Um, uh, let's see, we'll just start reading in verse um, twenty three. I guess that'll be good. First Corinthians one twenty three, and and Paul said this. He's writing to the church at Corinth, and Paul said this. He says, "But we preach Christ crucified." Unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, and that you know the because because to the to the the Jews it was a stumbling block because they they didn't accept Jesus as their Messiah, and to the to the Greeks 
um, you know, he says to the Greeks it was a uh, foolishness because because at the time that you know at the time it hasn't it hadn't really been opened up to them who Jesus really was and the whole revelation of that. So you know, Paul was saying, you know, he said even though there's both sides, even though there's a stumbling block and foolishness, he said we still preach Christ crucified. But then he goes on to say some other things here. He said this. He said, he said, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what he said was this. There'll be people on both sides of the aisle. There'll be, there'll be the Jews and there'll be the Greeks who will not accept him. But, but Paul said, you know what? There, there'll be people that will accept him. And, they'll, and those that are called, those that, those that receive him, he said, he said to them, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And then he goes on to say this. He says, because... The foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see, for, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not too many wise men after the flesh, not too many mighty, not too many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the earth, of the world, to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are which are um, which are despised, God hath chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And then here's why. Now, if you think about that statement, um, and the reason the Lord brought that to, to my mind was this: because because I was praying for my friends, and I was praying for some different situations, and uh, even in the church, and I was just you know. Uh, just really just interceding for some people and, and praying and, and asking the Lord for some wisdom and things. And, and, and just the thought came back up to me, uh, just rose up in my spirit. It didn't, I, I don't believe it came. I mean, I believe it was just, you know, my spirit kind of talking to me a little bit. But, but it just rose up. And, and, and I, just, I just kind of in my spirit, I just heard this. You know, aren't you glad that you aren't in this by yourself? In other words, I don't have to come up with the answers. You know, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not. I don't have enough resources. I don't. I, you know, I don't know enough people. I mean, you know, you. I, I could give you a million reasons why why I'm the wrong person to call and talk to. You know, but at the same time, I can give you one reason why it's good to call and talk to me because I have the wisdom of God, and I have. I and because because God uses the foolish things. He uses the weak things. He uses the the base things to confound the world. In other words, you don't have to go to the smartest, the richest, the, 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 the most eloquent. You know, you just have to go to somebody that's got the call of God on their life. You know, you, when, or, you know and not even, and even the call of God. I mean, you, you just got to find somebody that knows God. You know, because when you know God, then all those other things, the weakness and the, the, the wisdom and, and all those other things, you know, none of that matters because now all of a sudden God gets in the equation. And then what happens when God gets in the equation? We've talked about it for nine months. When God gets in the equation, guess what happens? The supernatural comes in. You know, and so, so see, this, tie, this even ties back in with what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. But then notice these last two verses here, the last three verses of this chapter. And here, here is why all of that is important. And here's, here's one, of the, one of the things that we have to understand about becoming more like Jesus is this. And, and because he, he lists all those different things. And then in verse 29 he says this, that no flesh should glory in His presence. In other words, don't ever get to the place where you pat yourself on the back 
and you say, I'm the smartest one in the room. You know, I'm the, I'm the richest one in the room. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the one that everybody needs to come to. You know, because he said this, because Paul said this. He said, he said God uses the, the weakest and the smallest and the, the, the least among everybody to confound the wise. Why? Because he doesn't want anybody standing up saying, it's all me and it has nothing to do with God. He wants every one of us standing up saying, you know what? I don't know where that came from, but all I can say is God, God is with me. And I give him all the glory, and and he receives all the praise, you know. And that's and he said he said that the the reason God does those things, the reason the reason God doesn't choose the very ones that everybody thinks he should, is is simply because he don't want anybody taking his glory. If you look at if you look at the story of when Samuel went to went to uh, uh, anoint a king. Um, you know, he went into he went into the house there, and he he had the all of all of uh, the the guys' sons came out, and and surely one of these guys they were they were they were tall and you know good looking and and you know probably you know muscular, and they were probably all these things. And and the the prophet said, nope, not, none of them, none of them. And he asked he asked the dad, he said, if you got, he said, don't you have anybody else? And and his dad's like, well, I've got I've got my youngest out there in the fields. You know, tending sheep, and he says, "Well, go get him." And sure enough, the smallest, the ruddiest, the you know, the one that was least likely when he walked in, when David walked in, the prophet said, "That's him." And you know, and he anointed him king. And you know, so so it's all throughout the Bible. That's that that is the case. And then look at verse thirty and verse thirty-one. He goes on to say this. So verse twenty-nine says that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are you in Je- or in Christ Jesus. Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Let's look at that in the Amplified. The Amplified says this. I like the way it, it kind of expounds it a little bit, amplifies it. It says, but it is from Him that you have your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom from God, revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden manifesting itself as our righteousness, thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God. And He is our consecration, making us pure and holy. He's our redemption, providing our ransom for eternal, for, from eternal penalty of sin. That's who God is to us. He, you know, God working in us, he, he, is, he is our wisdom, He is our sanctification, He's our righteousness, He's our redemption. That's who God is on the inside of every one of us. And when we give Him the glory and when we allow Him to work through us, there's nothing that we can't do. Amen? And then he goes on to say in verse 31, he says, "...that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord." And, and that is actually referencing Jeremiah chapter 9. And let's, let's turn back to Jeremiah chapter 9 and just see what Jeremiah said about that. Because here's what Jeremiah said. Because sometimes, sometimes people say this, I've had people tell me, you know, Pastor, you know, I wanted to testify, I wanted to give a testimony, but, but you know, uh, I've had people tell me, man, I testify too much, or, or if this, this testimony is so big and so good that I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Listen, you can never brag on God too much. You know, I mean, you can never, you can never give Him too much glory, too much praise. Amen? Because listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, said this. Uh, or verse, we'll look at verse 23. He says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. 
Let not the rich man glory in his riches. So here Jeremiah, even in Jeremiah's day, he's saying if you're smart, don't think it's because you're smart. You know, if you're strong, don't think that all this stuff's happening just because you're strong. If you've got money, don't think that all this stuff's happening just because you've got money. You know, in the natural, some of that may be true. But if you're smart and if, you, if you've got any wits about you, you'll realize that it comes from God and not from you. And that's what Jeremiah's saying. In verse 24, he goes on to say this, But let him that, glory, that glorieth glory in this, that he, is, that, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which, which, uh, which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. Now, this is actually God speaking here. The prophet's prophesying this, and, he, and this is the Lord saying, you know, saying, he, he said, don't, don't let him that, that's rich boast in his riches, him that's strong in his strength, him that's, you know, wise in his wisdom. He says, but let, he said, if you're going to give glory to anything, Give glory in this, that you understand and know that I'm the Lord. You know, and he says that you know, and that you know with me, and that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised. And he goes on and he goes, but verse 23 was really, or verse 20. Uh, four was what I wanted you to see. Where he just, where the Lord, it was, it was God that actually said, if you when you give glory, when you give praise, give praise for God, not in your own ability. You know, so, so if we're gonna, and, and of course, and at any time when you look at Jesus, when you see what he did and how Jesus, uh, accomplished things, and when Jesus talked about his heavenly Father and, and the, even the works that he did, Jesus was always saying things like, you know, the things you see me doing, they're not my works, but they're His works. The words that I say, they're not my words, they're His words. You know, if, if you, if you, you know, and people would say, people would say, show us the Father. And Jesus would always say, He said, you know, he, he, said, he said, if you see the works that I do, you see the Father because He works through me. And, and you want to hear what the Father says, listen to the words I say because it's the Father's words that's speaking through me. And so Jesus would always give the glory back to God and he would always take the time to uh, take the time to make sure that all the glory went to to his father and that not not of himself. Now, <clears throat> so where does that put us? And how do we how do we today how do we uh, you know how do we become more like Jesus? One of the things that we can say about Jesus is this: it, one of the things we can look at him and see in his life was this: was that he always kept his eyes on his father. Everything he did, it was always about, you know, he was spent, he was spent so much time away from the people. There, time and time again, we would see that he would, he would withdraw himself and he would go and to the mountain to pray. Well, you know, it wasn't just that he was just praying just to pray. He was wanting to get the Father's heart in it. And every time he went to get his, the Father's heart, every time he came back, man, the miraculous happened. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, turn to two places here. Turn to, to, uh, Matthew 14, and then we'll we'll come back there. But then turn over to Numbers, Numbers chapter 21, and I want to show you this because if we're going to become like Jesus, if we're going to if we're going to be more like Him today than we were yesterday, the thing I want you to focus on tonight, and the things I want us to see tonight, is this: is that we have to keep our eyes on Him, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of of what we encounter. We have to keep our eyes on the Father. Now, here in Numbers 21. This is the story where Moses is leading the, the children of Israel out and, and the children of Israel start murmuring and complaining and, 
And man, they're, they're just giving Moses a hard time. And, uh, and we pick up here in, in Numbers 21, verse 5. And it said this, it says, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore, and this is what they were saying, they said, Wherefore have you brought us out of Egypt to the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our, our soul longeth for this, for this light bread. And, and he says, and, the, and notice verse 6, it says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and the people, and they bit the people, and much of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks upon it, upon that serpent up on a pole, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if, the, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. The, um, the Amplified says it this way. It says, when he looked, if, any man, if a serpent bites any man... When he looks to the serpent of bronze attentively and expectantly with a steady and an absorbing gaze, he lived. So here's, here's what I want you to see. As I was praying about this, about keeping your eyes on Jesus, this, this story has always amazed me because, uh, and, and, and it's, it's just like God. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a God story in this. Is that Because let me ask you a question. If you were walking in the woods... If you were walking in the wilderness, and actually it was a desert. They call it a wilderness, but it was a desert is what it was. If you were walking in the desert, and all of a sudden snakes were everywhere, right? And, there, and you knew there were venomous, and you knew that if they bit you, you would die. The last thing you want to do would be look up. You know, you'd be looking down. You'd be looking at everywhere you're stepping. But notice what he said. He said, he said tell anybody... He said, he said, take that serpent, put it on a stick, and carry it through the camp. And he said, and if the people keep their eye on that, on that serpent, on a stick that's lifted up, he said, if anybody keeps their eye on that, keeps their gaze on that, even if they are bitten, they will not die. And of course, and, and you know, there's always questions like, well, why did he put a serpent on a, you know, a stick? Because we know, we understand that that was a picture of Jesus. You know, the serpent on a stick was a picture of Jesus. But a serpent, sometimes we say, well, why did he do that? But, but the main, one of the main reasons that he did that was because when Jesus, got, when Jesus was hung on the cross, he became sin for us. He knew no sin, but when he hung on the cross, he was made to be sin for us. He took all of our sin upon him. So every, every part of that bad stuff, all the evil stuff, all the bad stuff, Jesus, Jesus became that. And he hung on the tree. But here's what I want you to see. In the natural, we always want to look down and see, you know, we want to look and make sure we're not stepping on something and, and you know, and getting bit by something or something like that. But what God tells us to do, God says, don't be concerned with what's down below. He said, you keep your eye on me. And when you keep your eye on me, even if you are bit, even if something does happen down here, if your eye's on me, it's going to be okay. And I thought, man, that's, I mean, that's pretty awesome. You know, because because our natural our our um, natural instincts always we always what do we want to do when something's happening? We always want to look at 
what's happening. We want to look at the circumstances. We want to see what, well, he said this, she said that, they did this, they did that. Here's what happened. This, this person, you know, this person, that person, da, 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 da. And, and, and all the time we're down here like this. Where God says, lift up, lift up your gaze and, and focus on me. And when you're focused on me, what happens down here won't affect you. And notice the Amplified said there, the Amplified said that, it says that um, when he looks, if any man looks, and the Amplified adds, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and an absorbing gaze. In other words, it's not a glance and then look back down here, but it's, no, I'm not going to let this disturb my gaze. My gaze is upon my Father. My gaze is upon Jesus. I'm, I'm focused on Jesus right now. What happens down here God will take care of that. I'm focused on Him. Amen? And see, that's what Jesus did. The whole time, everything that Jesus did, His, his focus was on His Father. What, what, what's He saying? What's He doing? Because what He says, I'm going to say. What He does, I'm going to do. And that's, of course, you know, in the foundations class, we're looking at the, the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, however you want to say that. And that's exactly what that prayer is. On earth as it is in heaven. And that was what Jesus said how we should pray. We, we should pray, Lord, as it is in heaven, we want it to be that way here on earth. Well, how are you going to know what's in heaven? Your gaze has to be up. It doesn't, you're, you know, you can't be concerned with what's happening here. Your gaze has to be here. And when you're focused on God and when you're focused on Him and when your eyes are on Him, what happens down here is, the, is you know, God will take care of this down here. You take care of this here. And keep your focus on Him. Now, a, a story in the New Testament that, if, if you think about it very much, I'm sure you would think about this story, but Matthew chapter 14, the story of Peter walking on water. This is the exact same, the exact same situation here. So Jesus has just done, he's just done a bunch of miracles, and, uh, and He sends the disciples away in the boat, and He tells them to go to the other side, and we'll just pick up here in verse 22, uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And it says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him to the other side while He, while he sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into the mountain apart to pray. There it is again. Jesus is keeping His focus on His Father. He says He went to a mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, He was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea. Now, in that day, in this day, the, the Sea of Galilee... Uh, it was a lot bigger than it is now. As a matter of fact, most, most historians say that, that it was probably about eight or nine miles across. Today, you, today, uh, I mean, it's not very big at all today. I mean, it's nowhere near as big as it was in these days. Because these guys, these guys were professional fishermen. And they had been rowing for, they had been battling this for, they, by the time we get to the story here at three o'clock in the morning, they had been rowing and battling for something like seven or eight hours. So, I mean, you know, it's not a short distance. It was like eight or nine miles across. So Jesus had went up into the mountain. They, they had went down into the sea and was going to the other side. And it says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, is in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And the fourth watch of the night, which that the, the Amplified says between 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning, so they had been rowing all night long. It says, at the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now, notice here, a couple, I want you to, even before we get to the rest of this, notice a couple of things. 
the supernatural is already happening here because here the fish, the disciples were in this boat for six or seven hours. Make, I mean, probably even longer than that. I mean, it was probably getting close to evening time, which would be like at six o'clock. They literally could have been rowing for ten to twelve hours at this point, and they had only got to the middle of the sea. And Jesus was up on the up on the mountain praying. But now here it says that Jesus came to them, and the next thing we read is that he's walking right beside the boat. They've been rowing for 12 hours. He's been up on the mountain praying, but yet now he's standing right there where they are. I mean, the supernatural's happening here, right? And it says, and, and when, the, when the disciples saw him, verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Now, because one of the one of the legends had had it that if you were in the if you were on the sea and you saw a ghost, it was it was a uh, it was a it was a spirit from somebody whose whose ship had sank, and they were there to warn you that your ship was getting ready to sink. So so that's and these guys were fishermen, so they knew that they knew that legend, they knew that that story. And so you can imagine while they're sitting here rowing, the, the waves are crashing, the, the storm's blowing. I mean, it's, it's crazy out here. And then they see a spirit. Well, you can imagine the first thing they think is, we're going down. So they cry out. And it says they cry out in great fear, you know, because they're, they're afraid because they, they, they've got that, that picture in their mind. And then it says, but 27, it says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Well, you know, a couple of things could happen there. I mean, you know, you, I mean, you know, you would hope that that would bring peace to them. You would hope that that would bring comfort to them. But I, even even in Peter's response, I want you to see what Peter said. Notice this: it says, "And Peter answered unto him and said, Lord, if it be you." In other words, he wasn't sure. Peter wasn't sure. He said, "If that's really you, then bid me to come to you." <laughs> You know, so Peter's even kind of, kind of in a way, Peter's like, I'm not sure about this. If it's really you, tell me to walk over there to you. Now, up until this point, nobody had walked on water. They had never seen Jesus walk on water that we know of. I mean, it's not recorded. So when Peter said, bid me to come to you, I mean, you know, I don't know whether Peter thought it was something was happening in the spirit or, or this was a dream or what, but, but, you know, I don't. I don't really know what Peter was thinking, but he just said, "Lord, if it's you, you know." He's like, "This is weird. It is getting weirder. So let's just go ahead and make it the weirdest thing possible. If it's you, I'm coming to you." You know. And then look what happened. And Jesus said, "Come." Now this is this is crazy because here, remember, they they've been in this boat for twelve out ten, six, even six to twelve hours. We don't know how long they've been in there fighting, rowing. The storm's crazy. The storm's blowing. I mean, the wind's blowing. The waves are crashing. Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. And the Bible says Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water. And I guarantee you, his, his gaze, that he, he hadn't taken his eyes off Jesus one time. None of them had. Because they were all terrified. Because they're seeing this ghost, what they think is a ghost or a spirit. And now here it is, Jesus, Jesus is saying, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter says, well, did you bid me to come? And he says, well, come. So Peter's staring at this at Jesus, not knowing whether it's really him or not. And, and notice what it says. And, and it says, Peter was come down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But then verse 30, this, I mean, this still just blows me away that, 
the way this reads and the way, the way this happened. Verse 30 says this, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. So in other words, he had been, they had been battling this storm for hours. And, and he got so focused on Jesus for that, for that 30 seconds or maybe a minute that, you know, Jesus speaks out and says, it's, guys, it's me, it's Jesus, don't be afraid. And, you know, he's so focused on him, he says, Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come to you. And he says, come. And Jesus, and Peter is so focused on him that he forgot about the storm. And all he can see is Jesus. So he's walking to Jesus. Wow, this is cool, this is great. This really is Jesus. And then all of a sudden he remembers, we're in the middle of this hurricane. You know, waves are probably splashing him, and, and I mean, you know, the wind's just about to knock him over. And, and all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he looks at the waves, he looks at the wind, the, the effects of the wind, he looks at his circumstances, and the moment he looks at his circumstances, what happens? He starts to sink. He takes his eyes off Jesus for a split second, he gets his mind going the wrong direction just for a, just just like that, and the next thing he knows, he's drowning. It says, and and verse thirty says, when he when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out and said, "Lord, save me!" And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, "O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt?" And and then notice verse thirty two because this is interesting. He says. And when, and when he came into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, fell down on their face and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, you truly are the Son of God. I mean, you know, so in other words, you know, this whole story is just, I mean, sometimes we just read it and we just overlook these things. But they, these guys have been fighting this storm for hours. Peter gets focused. You know, how many of you have ever been in the middle of a crisis or in the middle of a, and, and it may not even be a crisis, it may just be a, a bad situation in your life. And all of a sudden, something catches your attention, and you get focused on it, and for that, for, for that period of time, you forget about everything else. You know, everything else is just like, uh, it's like you've got tunnel vision. You know, that's all you can see. And everything else just kind of disappears. That's the way Peter was. I mean, it's not like, it's not like that the wind stopped, or it's not like that anything changed, when, when Jesus said, come, because when he got down out of the ship and started walking to Jesus, he was walking on water. But it says, but then he started noticing the wind and the rain and the waves. And it says, as he started noticing it, he started to sink. Um, the, the Passion Translation in this says this. I, I really like this. Um, I thought I had it marked here. Let me find it. Matthew... Matthew 14, uh, the Passion Translation says this. Uh, well, no, that's not it. Matthew 10. Let me get there. I'll get there. I'm sorry. I had it marked in another passage. These pages are so thin on here. Listen, the, the Passion Translation says this in that last verse. It says, Jesus, or it says that, uh, So Peter stepped out onto the water and began to walk toward Jesus. But when he realized how high the waves were, he became frightened and started to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and lifted him up and said, What little faith you have. But then I love this, this last statement. Jesus said, What little faith you have. 
Why would you let doubt win? What little faith you have, Peter. Why would you let doubt win? Wow, I, thought, I like that. You know, and then, but then, so, so Peter starts to sink. He cries out, save me, Lord. Jesus reaches down, saves him, picks him up, and, and then they step into the boat. As soon as they step into the boat, the whole storm just quits. The wind ceases. The waves, all of a sudden, it's glass again. I mean, the, the, the ocean is glass. You remember the, another time that happened? You remember that when Jesus was sleeping? And he was down there, and the disciples woke him up and told him a storm blew up, and, and the disciples woke him up and said, Don't you care that we perish? And Jesus got up and rebuked the storm. And, and the, I think it's the message translation in that one says, He rebuked the storm and says, The wind ran out of breath. The sea became like a piece of glass. And there, in that case, too, they fell down and worshipped them again. You, you truly are God. you know. And here they did the same thing. They fell down. You truly are the Son of God. You know, because they started realizing the power that Jesus had. And but here, but I want you to see what I want you to see is this: while while Peter had his eyes on Jesus, it didn't matter how high the waves were. You know that it didn't matter how strong the wind was. He was walking on water. It wasn't until he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the circumstances that he realized, well, that's a twenty-foot wave. You know, well, that's a 10-foot wave. That's, man, that wind's blowing 100 miles an hour. Well, it didn't matter five seconds ago, you were walking on water because your focus was on Jesus. And then, and then when, you take, when you take your focus off Him, guess what? You start to sink. Wow. Turn over with me real quick to 2 Corinthians. And we'll finish with this Scripture here. 2 Corinthians. And... Uh, I, I, we won't take the time to read the whole chapter, but Second Corinthians chapter three is just an incredible chapter, and Paul here is talking about uh, Paul here is talking about the the ministry of the Old Testament versus the ministry of the New Testament. How the the Old Testament was a ministry of death, and and the New Testament was of life. And um, Paul said this in Second Corinthians three, and look at verse uh, look at verse four and five. He said this, "...and such trust, uh, such trust we have as, as we, through Christ, to Godward." Verse 5, "...not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God." Here Pete, or Paul said the same thing that we read in the other passage, where Paul said, you know, don't think, don't think because you're strong or smart or wise that it's anything to do with you." Uh, he, Paul said, listen, he said, our sufficiency has nothing to do with us, it's of Christ. And then he starts talking about the rest of this passage, he starts talking about the law and different things. And then we skip down to verse 17. Um, and he says this, he says, but now the, now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Verse 18 says, but we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord... We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The, the Passion Translation says this in that verse there, those, those scriptures. It says, um, let me see where I can pick up here. Um, and like I said, man, we could read all of that. That's so good. But for the sake of time, we'll, we won't do that. But um, verse, we'll just read verse 18, that last verse from the Passion. He says, we can all draw close to Him... With the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil, we become like mirrors 
who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is that Spirit. And what, so what he's saying is this. Basically, I mean, if you read that whole chapter, you'll see, you'll see he talks about, that's the chapter where he talks about Moses put the veil over his face because, um, you know, and a lot of times, a lot of times people, people read that and say that they put it over his face because his face shone so bright. But really, if you read that scripture, it says he put the veil over his face so the people would, would, wouldn't, or wouldn't realize that the glory was fading. That his face didn't stay that bright. Because when he was in the presence of the Lord, he started shining. But when he came down and got among the people, that glory started fading off Moses' face. And Moses knew when that glory faded, the people would, the people would, would not, you know, would, would respond differently. So he put a veil over his face so that the people couldn't see that that glory left. And he, and he said this. He said, still to this day, the, people, the Jewish people read the scripture with a veil over their face. In other words, meaning that, that they're blinded to the, to the reality of the scripture. But then he said this. He says, but you and I, we read the scripture with, without the veil. And as we do that, then we become a mirror and we just, and, and we, we radiate the glory of God to everybody. And he said, we're transfigured into the very image of Jesus. We want to become more like him, then you know what? Then we have, we have to keep our focus on him. We have to keep our mind on him. We have to keep our thoughts on him. We, we say, you know, we don't look at circumstances to dictate how we're going to respond to things. We, we look to heaven and say, what would you say about that, Father? How would you respond to this situation? I love the, I love the, the testimony Ginger gave with Mike where, I mean, and even, even, even just saying it, sometimes, sometimes it even paints that picture. But, you know, I'm a Christian and as a Christian, I forgive you. You know, and what's that saying? See, because because what he's saying is this. What I mean, and and I don't know whether he realized the power in what that statement. But what he was saying was this: in the flesh, I want to hit you right now. And if I was my old man, you'd be laying on the ground. But guess what? I'm changed. I'm not who I used to be. I, I'm I'm a representative of Jesus now, and because of that, I'm like him, and I forgive you. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him. See, that's a perfect, that is a perfect illustration of what He's talking about here. Because the, the old man would have done something else. But, but now, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, I forgive you. And I'm walking, I want to be like Him. He, he forgave you, so I forgive you. Man, isn't that awesome? And that's the way we, that's the way we live our lives. We don't hold grudges. We don't hold, you know, we don't, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean that, that opens up a whole other avenue of things. But, but you know, we we if we want to be like him, we have to we have to act like him, talk like him, do everything the way he would do it. Amen. So, so becoming more like Jesus is keeping our focus on him, keeping our gaze on him, staying, you know, not letting circumstances dictate how we how we act and how we respond, but letting Jesus. You know, because listen, if Peter, I am convinced, if Peter had have kept his eyes on Jesus, him and Peter could have walked, they could have walked on over to the shore. He could have walked all the way to the shore with, with Jesus. If he had kept his, his, his focus on Jesus. But, but when he got his focus off him and started got, get, got it over on the circumstances, he started to sink. So you want to get through rough circumstances? You want to get through a rough period in your life, rough time in your life? Keep your eyes on Jesus.
don't take them off. And, and you can walk on water. Amen? You can, you can be, a, you can be a, a miracle worker. Why? Because it's Jesus in you, not, not in your own strength or in your own ability. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let me pray for you, and we'll, we'll go tonight. <clears throat> yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I, I read. I read one time where why the paramedics had had that. Um, I, I mean, I've heard the story behind that, but but it did come because it, because it was healing. I mean, it brought healing when you know from the from the scriptures when you saw that. Now I don't know whether that's why they have it on there or not, but but I'm sure probably the original roots probably, it probably was. I'll have, I'll look that up and I'll let you know that because I'll have to, I'll have to investigate that and study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In doctor's offices and hospitals, you see that. Oh, I just read it in some of the commentaries that some of the commentaries that that you know dealing with that scripture, they they just they said that you know that was one of the traditions or one of the. The we call them wives' tales or whatever. I mean, you know, but that was one of the one of the things back in that day that they when they would see a ghost on the sea that it was because it was a, of a ship a ship that sank and that was the the captain coming back to tell you your ship's about to sink. You know, be careful. And so, so they and and plus, I mean, whether that's whether that was the case or not, if you if you saw somebody walking on the water, that would freak you out anyway. <laughs> you know, I mean, because like I said, that was something that never happened before. Right. You know, so they, that's the reason they thought it was a spirit. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so later on, Jesus they they saw Jesus doing that again, but because <clears throat> that other time, the other time, it said Jesus would have passed them by if they hadn't called out to him. You know, so <clears throat> Amen. Any other questions? Or they good? Well, I sure. Mm-hmm. The difference between being drunk and sober. I mean, when you're drunk, you, I mean, you do things that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Staying sober, staying. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. My mind's on him. I mean, yeah. Okay. So Greek and see, so the the original language came from Greek. So yeah. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's Greek mythology. I mean, but but still, it, it happened all the way back. The Hebrew, I mean, in, in you know, all the way back in the the Old Testament would be Hebrew, but but they got it from the Greek mythology from from why they've got it on the ambulances and doctors and stuff. But its roots probably, no doubt, come all the way back to Moses. I mean, so good. Amen. Well, let me pray for you, and we'll we'll go. So, Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, uh, Father, that. Uh, Father, I, I want to keep my eyes on you more than I ever have. 
Father, I don't want to take my eyes off of you and, and put them on any circumstances or any, any of the things that's happening. But Lord, even as Tanya was saying, we want to be sober-minded, single-eyed, single-vision, Lord, straight to you and, and keep our eyes on you and not, not deviate to the right or to the left, but just stay straight with you. And, and so thank you, Father, for helping us all do that. And thank you for letting us, giving us, letting us be witnesses and being lights and, and, and the, the light to a dark world for you, Father, uh, here the rest of this week. And we just pray your blessings on each one. And thank you for, for just loving us and being so good to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.